Welcome to the 215 Inc. Podcast, where Mike Perkins and Keith Foster, that's me, talk comic creation and comic business with creators. This episode, we're talking with Tayson Martindale about comics, art, and his comic box. Let's get to it. My name is Tayson Martindale. I am a cartoonist and artist from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I've been drawing my whole life, um, but the last five, six years I've been drawing with a bit more intent and focus, and recently just completed my first graphic novel, Box Boy, which has been published by 215 Inc. Mike, we know those guys are 215 Inc., right? They, They're they... a little familiar. <laughs> you said a couple things that are interesting there. Obviously, Box Boy is one of the most interesting things, a, a book that caught you know everybody at 215 um, when we read it, we were just like, wow, this is a, this is a great book. And, um, you know, and, and here we are publishing it, which is wonderful. But, um, so you mentioned that you'd been drawing uh, for quite a while. And then there was a, there was a moment where you decided to take it more seriously. Um, was that a specific moment or did you just kind of say, Hey, I think I want to try to make uh, you know, try to try to go a little further with this. Was I, we moved, I moved recently and, uh, just at my, my mom's place looking at all these old suitcases I had literally filled with comics that I made as a kid um, just like no ears I never drew ears for about seven years eight years and I finally got that going and all the comics were like maybe four pages five pages ten pages never finished I just had like a literal suitcase full of unfinished comics and stuff but I've always loved comics since I was since I was a kid I think my my aunt I was actually born in South Africa um, believe it or not and we immigrated when I was four years old I lost most of my accent in grade three and a lot of my cool factor as well um, but my aunt in South Africa sent me a uh, comic book it was a Spider-Man one uh, I forget the exact issue number but it was a Todd McFarlane one and it was like Peter and Mary Jane had been kicked out of their apartment at Christmas time uh, so she sent me that and then my mom also bought me uh, some Ninja Turtle comics and that was like my biggest thing influence that was like my whole childhood was just ninja turtles for, for some reason i wasn't allowed to watch uh like power rangers or things like that uh, we i like snuck it on at school and things but ninja turtles was the one i was like allowed okay like don't go and beat up your friends like the turtles do but you're allowed to watch this one and i just made all these comics that was my life so i just had all these comics all these joints and then you know after high school i kind of away from it for a bit and really draw too much and then one Christmas about six years ago I got a whole bunch of graphic novels for Christmas and, and a book on the anatomy of story and something just clicked in me and, and I just kind of saw comics in a, a new way and thought like, huh, I should try and get back to this and, and actually try and make a story and complete and finish one so I, I worked uh, for about six months making uh, a comic called um, Parker Per Cat Adventure, which was just like a little 28-page comic, and it took me so long to finish, and I finally finished it just because I wanted to finish something, and then I was like, okay, well, that was easy. Let's try a little bit of a longer comic, and that was a little bit easier. 
excuse me. And then and then that's when uh, it came like a couple years later to <laughs> box bowling. I thought like, well, let's try and make a, a graphic novel, a full length one, and and that was a whole process and a whole journey. But um, yeah, it was really that Christmas getting getting some graphic novels and just getting stirred up again and excited about it and starting to do a bit more studying and and a bit more drawing with intent. That's interesting. So, I mean, again, a bunch of interesting things there, but just out of curiosity, who do you remember who gave you the Anatomy of Storybook? I think, I believe it was my mom. Okay. And okay. it might have been influenced by, by me. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, yeah, because a gift like that, a gift like that is basically saying, I think that you can take this further. And so, but that, and that's why you're saying it's interesting that it's the dynamic because you may have just, you know, put, put it on a list or something like that. So it, it, the impetus may have actually come from you and then it was just a gift, right? And it's still the faith that's shown by giving that gift. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a, a huge thing too, right? Like it's like the people around you just supporting you and believing you. Like like all those comics I made, they, they like my mom read them. There was, I used, I had like, said, okay, in grade three, we had this thing called Author's Day. And that's maybe where it all kind of started from, um, where like the kids would write their own stories and illustrate them. And then we'd, our teacher would put them into this little book, like with a cover. And then we'd read, once a month, we'd read them to the, the class and then they'd, the class would vote on it. You'd get like a gold sticker for best story or best illustration or runner up. And I did all these stories based on my pets. Um, so it was like super original names. It was Super Cat, Super Dog, and then there was another one called Karate Kitten. And then <laughs> found out in the last book of the season that Super Cat and Karate Kitten were actually brothers displaced by time. And it was this big whole thing. But it really kind of like caught on. And I was really encouraged by my teacher, my grade three teacher, Mrs. Cocatilo, and um, and my and my mom. Like she's my audience. And then I started making those little comics and photocopying them at the, the Staples and selling them to my family, making them buy it off of me. So my mom and like a couple aunts and uncles were the and my dad were the ones who, who read my stuff basically exclusively <laughs> and and that support just you know made you want to keep on doing it. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah. huge, like you said. We encounter so many people who are looking to get into comics and are, are trying to figure out how to get into comics and what they should do. And the advice is always, you got to just make a comic. And you got to get it out of the way because your first comic is probably going to suck. And that was one thing that really stood out for your submission. And then when I asked for more of your stuff and I read that Parker Puss, I mean, you tell me that it was your first book. And when I read it, it did not read like a first book at all. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that you had been making comics, even if they were just little four pagers your entire life, because you definitely had that understanding of story and understanding of how to keep a reader engaged page to page. And even more importantly, I think the evolution that was evident between that first book and box boy that you sent to us and was so engaging and so interesting and, and just so polished you know, it was something we were saying, there's no way that this is this kid's first book. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And it's a, it's a funny thing. I've noticed it, too, and, um, like, you're just never satisfied with where you're at. Like, there's that stereotype that, you know, artists and comic artists are just always frustrated with their work. Uh, there's that 
that saying has gone around the, like Twitter and stuff. I think it originated with Kazu Kibushi, um, where it's like the steps of the creative process where one is like, oh, this is great. I'm excited about it. Two, uh, maybe it's not that great. Then the third step's like, this is awful. I'm awful. Fourth is, yeah. oh, maybe it's not so bad. And then fifth, oh, this is okay. This is good. And it's something I've noticed in my work and why I started keeping sketchbooks is because you're continually, like, the more you do it, the more, the better you'll kind of get at it regardless yeah and oh, absolutely so, yeah so you're always going to be in a state of kind of frustration with your current work or, or with like work you finish because you're like ah, oh, this is i could do better and then you look at that's why sketchbooks are so helpful so i go back and i look at my sketchbook from the year and i look at the drawings at the beginning of the year and to the end i'm like okay so there is progress happening so it's not it's not a, it's not, I'm not a complete hack so right that's yeah because and because you make it in a bubble right you're just kind of by yourself plugging away you don't have any real context of of what it is really yeah yeah no you there's no feedback it's it's a it's a very private quiet thing that you're doing um i mean you're obviously going to seek out feedback from the people you know right but uh but yes it's it's just not it's not the kind of thing like maybe a a band would have where they can cook up a, a, a song in the lab right and then go on stage and immediately see how people react to it right right yeah and even in that process it's that that song is going to be tested and heard by many years as it as it gets created um but whereas like yeah comics you're just by yourself and then you're you're just too nervous to show it to anyone either you're like yeah i want feedback but no actually i don't want feedback (laughs) yeah but you know what that's something that a lot of people get stuck in the endless awful loop of you know what i mean like like what you said there is is it's a tough leaf leap of faith to make right because you, you want feedback, but you don't want bad feedback, but you need bad feedback or or at least if if you know, it, you know, I can't even explain it, but sometimes you, you put a vibe out there where you're OK with bad feedback because what you want is for people to really try to poke a hole in it. And then sometimes they'll be like, look, I actually have nothing bad to say. This actually is fantastic. But at least you've you've pushed that extra uh, that envelope of that, you know what I mean? As opposed to many, many people that don't want bad feedback. Being open to that is, is where so much growth happens. Um, like it, it can't like, right like you can't unless you you fail and then learn from those failures and get that feedback and and knowledge and wisdom from those who are ahead of you like it's you're never gonna take that next step so it's been an important lesson that i'm learned and i'm learning as i go along you know trying making comics and trying to do it with more more focus and purpose but it's yeah it's been good it's been a good learning curve yeah. Well, speaking of, of growth, I mean, what's your pace, Jason? How long does it take you to put together a full page, one full page comic? Um, it it depends. Um, uh, one of I've heard that that saying where like to get work, you either have to be two of the three things, right? Like either really good, really good to uh, like really skilled, really good to work with, or and or really fast. Um, so I feel like that's one of my strengths is is the speed of getting a page done. Um, but it's, it depends. Like, if it's a full-color page, it could take anywhere from 
like upwards of four to ten hours, like a, a long time. And right. it's like, some, but some, and then there's some pages like in, in Box Boy, like like some of the earlier pages where it would be where he's just kind of walking around, and those can take you know like maybe a couple hours. And, and but then there's like one where there's like one page where all these birds land on his head, and that took me. I did like I blocked it from my memory. I, I, the whole way through, I was, why am I drawing all these birds? This is so stupid. And it's for what, like half of a second that someone's gonna read it. Right. And I went and read it afterwards. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. So. But you're talking so about for you know like for a full color book, it's not unreasonable to think that at least a page per day. And if you've got yep. a full graphic novel of 150 pages, you're talking about a half a year's worth of work. Yeah. So if you aren't expecting to improve after six months worth of putting in a full day of drawing every day, you're, that's just absolutely ridiculous. So you are going to see a yeah. significant improvement from page one to the final page. And that's hard for a lot of creators to accept. That'll, that'll stall a lot of creators right there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, and it can also almost be a detriment. Like uh, there was some, at, when I got towards the end of finishing Box Boy, there's some pages uh, near the beginning of Roam the Mouse that I had to go and the rat, I had to go and like re read oh, yeah. all because it just, the face did not look the same <laughs> at the end, so. God bless okay. Digital. Yeah, oh, it's, and that's the thing too. I, with, with, um, with Box Boy, my process was, I did all of the, the concepting, character design, um, thumbnails and roughs and everything just on paper, pen, ink, pencils. And then I did all of the pencils and inking actually digitally. Um, and it just, it's, it saves so much time just yeah. not like having to scan and, and being able to make those quick corrections and things like that. You do lose some of the, just the kinetic joy of just messing your fingers up with ink and, and playing around. But I, I've come to get really comfortable with it. And, and I still do all, like, I keep sketchbooks and yeah, do all my sketchbooks. And, yeah, exactly. With that, and but just, yeah, it's been such a great tool just to be able to, to use to, to help with that um, efficiency. Tayson, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about, like, just the general plot of Box Boy, and then we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. The story started in my sketchbook. Um, I was just doodling around. The original sketches, actually, if you see them, are quite different from what it eventually molded into. Um, but I just saw this little design for a character, and I named him Box Boy, and I thought, oh, okay, I wonder what his story is. And this came around the same time where I was thinking, like, okay, let's see if I can actually finish a graphic novel those two things kind of collided and then i came up with the story in my sketchbook and basically it's it's kind of like a, a journey comic it's it's this little creature made out of boxes wakes up one morning under a bunch of leaves under a tree and he takes his first steps falls over and then goes on a little walk and he eventually finds some kids playing soccer in the park and and he hears them their mom say hey let's go home we got to go home and something clicks in him and he's like oh where's Where's my home? And the comic is just about his journey to find his way back to where he came from and and kind of the mystery of how did he come to be, this creature made out of boxes. So it's really a comic, and it kind of morphed along the way. I always had a kind of a, the general beginning and ending and, and middle kind of plotted out. Um, but as I made it, it kind of it took me on a journey too. So it was, and it's an interesting comic too because there's not a ton of dialogue in it because the main character can't talk, doesn't have a mouth. He's literally just made together of boxes. So that was an interesting, an interesting challenge as well. Um, and I think a lot of 
especially the opening pages too, were kind of influenced by my first exposure to comics as a storytelling medium, which were comic strips, like newspaper comic strips. That was a, a huge, huge influence to me. I was given Garfield books as a kid and read through them, and then I've just read comic strips my whole life. Um, and just the, that kind of rhythm to storytelling, um, especially in the first pages, you can kind of see what it's like, beat, beat, beat. It's not a lot of um, big, huge splashes and big uh, dynamic poses and things. There are those eventually, it kind of comes later on in the story, but the, the rhythm of the story is very kind of, it just kind of plots along moments. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And and I did that intentionally where I wanted to kind of have it where you, you're just, because the first like 30 pages of this comic, you're just following this little box boy around as he walks around and kind of takes in where he is for the, the first time. And you're, so I wanted that rhythm of just kind of being with him and walking around and kind of being on his shoulder and seeing where it goes. Basically, just a comic about journey and friendship, the pursuit of purpose. Why, why are, why am I here? What's my point? And that's uh, has some interesting answers, I guess. It's a, it was a wonderful combination of you know, like some of the wordless Bill Watterson, early Calvin and Hobbes stuff, mixed with you know, bone mixed with like Marcel Marceau or Buster Keaton, especially in the beginning. It was just a wonderful blend. No, thank you so much for saying that. That's like, those are some of my absolute favorite creators of all time and just, yeah, huge influences on me uh, and in every facet of making comics, so. I think that was the first time that anybody has actually called Marcel Marceau a, an influence for comics, but I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Bone jumped out at me too. And, and what's interesting is for anyone who reads it, it's not like the connection to Bone is obvious. There's not any one thing where you think like, oh, this is like Bone. But when you finish the book or when you're halfway through the book, what I think is this gave, gives me the same feeling that I felt when I read Bone. It's whimsical, but it's serious. You have a great ability to convey so many emotions in the way you draw, which you you mentioned yourself. You're you're placing a high degree of difficulty or uh, on your ability to express without dialogue, and then to see that come through, and to see all the you know just simple things to the way you draw the birds, like so many things in the book, just make me you know crack up a little bit because I'm like, oh man, you just you nailed a, a vibe with the way you drew that. Invo a nice range of reactions in the reader. Oh, that is so kind of you to say, and thank you. That's like that's the biggest compliment you could you could give me with this book. That's exactly what um, I'd hope a reader would would feel when reading it. And it's funny that like you mentioned that, like it, like that is that vibe of Bone, because I think that's what happens, right? You just you're influenced by so many so many things, and it just finds its way into your work, right? And the stories you want to tell and the voice you have, it's Whether you want it or not. your influences, yeah. And it's uh, it's it's one of the nicest thing about things about making comics too is like you get to make stories that you you know you want to read and and that excite you and entertain you. Like I don't know where you guys stand on it. I was a I was a big fan of Lost when it came out. I know it's very divisive. I was I, I was a huge fan of it. I think pre writer strike. If if I remember right, up until the writer's strike, it, it, the cliffhanger it ended on was the infamous flash forward. And then I think there was the writer's strike. And then after that, I kind of, I don't know, gravitated away. It's, it's gravity wasn't quite there. After hey, apparently the writers did too. So you can't be held at fault for that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and just like as a, as a disclosure, I, I am notorious for 
not having a great like my opinion like I thought Spider-Man 3 I defended that movie with my whole heart I thought three times in theaters I literally paid my friend to come and watch it with me again I was like this is great it's the best movie ever I was just in such denial over it just because I love Spider-Man so much and then like it's taken me about six years seven years to finally admit like yeah I know or second week I saw it like three times from the first week and I, like I, I, I don't know man I just paid their ticket price like hey come yeah yeah bring your girlfriend we can, we'll, we'll all watch it it's great you have to watch it uh, <laughs> didn't work huh no, no. and like, even then I was like no no like Tobey Maguire deserves an Oscar for this it's amazing this, <laughs> look at this the emotion he's portraying here his brother has left him is, is, you know like it's uh, now I know now I realize I'm not and I believe that is the second time we have something in this recording that no one else has ever said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the new Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, apparently Homecoming is killer. Oh, uh, it's just so many little nods to the comics and things, like just the way he works out problems and like the different kinds of webbing and and just the humor in it. It's it's I, I enjoyed it a lot. I guess I'll have to see it. I uh, now's a, now's as good a time to come clean as any that like my hit rate of watching comic films is about. 30% these days. 30% is as best I can do. What do you want me to do? Quit my job? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere after like Avengers 2, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's good. But it wasn't like the first Avengers movie. I remember just being so excited because it's the first time you're seeing things like that. It's like, oh, Captain America versus Loki. Oh, mm-hmm. Iron Man versus Thor. This is great. And then the second one's like, oh, it's cool, but it's kind of the same thing. And I kind of got, yeah, a bit of that fatigue from watching those movies. Um, right. The first Guardians of the Galaxy and the Spider-Man Homecoming one. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because in a way, Marvel gave their comic line the greatest compliment it could it could give because the movies are exactly like the comics. That's the exact same sense of fatigue I felt from summer crossover after summer crossover in 1998. They nailed the vibe of Marvel Comics. Oh, that was when Netflix too. first came out and it started feeling like it was a job to keep up with my queue. Yeah, exactly. oh, man, I, I just, I ha- I spend more time just looking at Netflix. I, I have tough time just making decisions. So I go through, I look at all these movies and think, oh, okay, I should get that. I just add things to the queue and then it's like, oh, that's going to take so much time to watch. I'll watch it later and then I don't yeah. watch it. Coming back to, to Lost, there, it, is, uh, it is interesting you mentioned Lost because that is a show that I will quote um, in the comic I write as well. It, I, I quote it as about a fourth or fifth influence. It's the characterization, right? I mean, that's to me, that's it's not like Lost was the first show to have in-depth characterization and really build all of these backstories for the characters and ha- and create this huge sense of empathy. But they were definitely the modern version that, that did a fantastic job of it and set that fire in a lot of people's brains. Yeah, I and mean, just the way it all connected and related. And then on top of that, you had these just these like these mysteries that don't make sense. Why is there a polar bear in the middle of the jungle? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And then all of that just to just to underscore, yeah, all those human relations and that that the characters. It's, it's I, I I loved it. Yeah. I don't know. It I I can't really I couldn't tell you beat for beat what happened afterwards, but I know I know where it went and that it was just a it was a great show. That's one of the the qualities I'm looking for in a in a future wife 
is someone who would enjoy Lost but has never seen it, so I can just watch it all with fresh eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's number one on the list. In terms of Box Boy, that's going to be out in February. So in terms of uh, people being able to look for it, they should be able to get it in their local comic shop. And if you can't get it in your local comic shop, by all means, ask them to get it. They can get it. Mike and I are, are both uh, really excited for the book, and we want everybody else to be as excited because we think it's wonderful, and um, and we're you know we're happy to to see this come out and and uh, share your story with everybody. Uh, I appreciate it very much, and it's just been just been an odd, literally a dream come true. It's it's pretty pretty awesome. I'm very excited to be able to work with you guys and and just make bring this dream to reality and and share this book with people. It's uh, gonna be great, man. Yeah, I can't wait to see what else you come up with. Dare I? say what's next in that head of yours like do you have any plans for what your next move is going to be Tayson? Oh, well, okay so this is the frustrating thing I've got three ideas in different stages in my sketchbooks I I keep I have my like sketchbook just for doodling and playing around and, and then for ideas for stories I have like a separate sketchbook each that I just work on dialogue ideas character ideas character designs things like that so I've got three different ones that I've thought like okay I'm going to go ahead and start with this one and then I start and I'm like no wait I want to start actually with this one and I've kind of been going back and forth on it so I think I finally decided which one I want to go for next but I'm still kind of playing with it so the good thing is I've got a lot of ideas it's just knowing which one to go forward with next Um, and in the meantime while I'm doing that I've just been doing a uh, just for fun like a little comic strip like a, like a newspaper kind of comic strip, just like mm-hmm. those kind of ones, um, just just for fun and playing around with that. So so we'll see. But yeah, there's definitely some more graphic novel ideas I have that I'd like to I'd like to pursue. So excellent. Where can we see the comic strip? Um, it's not. I haven't published any online yet. Uh, I wanted to get like a good buffer in, and then so I could put it one out every other time or whatever. But whenever I get enough done, maybe later this year I'll put some online and on social media and stuff. Or and just, Thanks for hanging out with us this episode. We did put a few things in the show notes. One is a Newsarama article on Boxboy, and the other is a link to YouTube where Tayson draws the title character in time-lapse, so you can take a look at that. If you're interested in checking out Boxboy, head over to your local comic shop and get a copy, or tell them you want a copy, and they'll be able to order it for you. We'll see you next time. 